We're in James chapter 3 this morning, and it reminded me of the scripture in Jeremiah chapter 17 that says, The heart is more deceitful than all else and is desperately sick. Who can understand it? That's kind of a question, isn't it? That applies to every single person. The heart is more deceitful than all else and is desperately sick. Who can understand it? How do we know if that's true? If that is something said about everyone, how do we know that's true? The answer is, what you say gives you away. Like Peter, crowding around a charcoal fire with other people trying to warm himself up while Jesus is inside the high priest's house, on trial for his life. He's just trying to fit in with everybody else. And one of them says, you're one of them, aren't you? And he says, nope, never heard of the guy. And the person says, well, you know, you have to be one of them because you talk like one of them. Your accent gives you away. And what you say gives you away. Our hearts are desperately wicked, and it comes out in the way we talk to family, to friends, to people we don't even know, and even to ourselves. And if you don't believe that, I think today James will make you a believer. And what it points to is the fact that it's not going to take etiquette lessons for us to learn how to speak politely. But it's going to take a very fundamental, radical change. We need an entirely new nature that gives us the ability to accept control. It's like a horse accepting a bridle. Only what Jesus does works out a whole lot better. So we're reading here in James chapter 3. James says, My brethren, let not many of you become teachers, knowing that we shall receive a stricter judgment, for we all stumble in many things. If anyone does not stumble in word, he is a perfect man, able also to bridle the whole body. Indeed, We put bits in horses' mouths that they may obey us, and we turn their whole body. Look also at ships. Although they're so large and are driven by fierce winds, they are turned by a very small rudder wherever the pilot desires. Even so, the tongue is a little member and boasts great things. See how great a forest A little fire kindles. And the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. The tongue is so set among our members that it defiles the whole body and sets on fire the course of nature and is set on fire by hell. For every kind of beast and bird, of reptile and creature of the sea is tamed and has been tamed by mankind. But no man can tame the tongue. 
It is an unruly evil, full of deadly poison. With it, we bless our God and Father, and with it, we curse men who have been made in the similitude of God. Out of the same mouth proceed blessing and cursing. My brethren, these things ought not to be so. Does a spring send forth fresh water and bitter from the same opening? Can a fig tree, my brethren, bear olives, or a grapevine bear figs? Thus no spring yields both salt water and fresh. James begins warning us about what we say in kind of a shocking way, doesn't he? He commands his readers to stop becoming many teachers. And he says the reason for this is that you don't know what you're signing yourself up for. You're putting yourself into a position where you will be more strictly judged than if you didn't put yourself there. He says, knowing that we shall receive a stricter judgment. Now, occasionally, you'll run into people who think it's kind of cool to be a teacher of the Bible. Because it's fun. You get to stand up and everybody's looking at you. Right now, probably 400 people are looking at me. And for me, that's mega. Because up until the, the lockdown, I was maybe getting three or five views a week. And a big week was like 26. Wow. 26 people are looking at me. Well, okay, people are looking at you. And then what do you do? Well, you explain what the Bible says. And you tell everybody what they're supposed to do. If that appeals to the, you know, power-hungry person inside you. And then, if you're any good at it, you can tell jokes and make people laugh. So I've actually had people ask me, have you ever done stand-up before? I go, no, but I do stand up and teach the Bible every week. Well, you know, that, that sounds like it's pretty fun. And man, I'd like to do that. But here's what James says. When you sign up for that, you're signing up for a stricter judgment. You know, one of the realistic things about being a teacher is you have to understand your material or you can't teach it. So that means you have to study hard so that you understand what the Bible is saying. But another reality of being a teacher is that while you're studying, you also have to prepare your life to teach. Because it's not just what you say, it is your life. The possibility is that you can teach correctly. You can get the Bible right and deliver it right, but then if your life isn't right, and agreeing with that message, then what you're saying is, this stuff isn't true. Or, this stuff is true, but it doesn't apply to me. Now, I saw uh, recently a very striking example of this. And uh, in the state of California, in the United States, 
The governor there is named Gavin Newsom. And Governor Newsom has been very strict with COVID. And he's been shutting down businesses, restaurants, churches, limiting gatherings, and social distancing. And everybody is supposed to wear a mask. And some people have really said, this is the kind of leadership we need. Somebody who's not afraid to make the tough calls and make people so that this deadly virus doesn't destroy the population. And then Governor Newsom went to a very expensive restaurant, the kind that has $300 per plate, fabulous food, to celebrate a lobbyist's birthday. These are the guys that go in and try to get the government to do what they want to do. There were 15 people, no social distancing, no masks. And somebody was there taking pictures and sent them to a television station. Now, is this a severe pandemic that in order to beat, we must all pull together and accept strict discipline so that we can survive this? Well, see, Governor Newsom doesn't think so because he just goes out to a very expensive restaurant and has a fabulous time. Just like we would all do if there were no pandemic on. What does Governor Newsom's life say? His actions say there's no pandemic on. But see, that's the government, right? That's the government. What about Christian Bible teachers? How much more should their lives reflect the Word of God? Because if a Bible teacher's life does not embody this teaching, what they're basically saying with their lives is, this stuff isn't true. And if you as a teacher don't believe it, who else is going to believe it? Right? So James says, in verse 2, we all stumble in many ways, and he does not exclude himself there. Did you see that? We all stumble in many ways. And everybody who believes in Jesus know that. We are aware of our sins, how far short we fall of that glory of God, even now. Now, it's one thing when all the news agencies in the United States pick up on your act and blow it out over television, newspaper, radio, Governor Newsom is whooping it up in a pandemic. He doesn't even obey his own laws. But I think that pales in comparison to standing before God. And there's no way to spin that there's no way to say, well, I forgot. Because God knows everything exactly, and we stand before him, and he says, what were you saying? What were you doing? 
How are we going to answer God? What that is, is what Paul talks about in 2 Timothy chapter 3, holding to a form of godliness, but denying its power. And it means denying that power of godliness over our lives to direct and control us. Now, what James calls that is being bridled. That's how you control a horse that's bigger and stronger than you. You take this little metal bit and you put it in a horse's mouth. And what that does when you attach the harnesses and the reins is it puts pressure on a tender part of the horse's mouth. And the horse realizes, okay, somebody's got the control here. And rather than risk hurt, the horse learns... I am accepting control from outside, and I am submitting to that. And to become a teacher, you have to learn how to accept this outside control so that you're going to be obedient to Jesus with your life. You might be reading this and thinking, why in the world would anybody be so dim as to actually become a teacher of the word. And people are scared. They say, not me, not me. I don't want to incur stricter judgment. (laughs) But here's the deal. When Jesus calls you to be a teacher, you're supposed to obey him. And you know, this is not a matter of getting up and hoping your jokes are going to go over great you realize he's calling me to teach and therefore I'm going to obey him. And then you carry out your ministry with fear and trembling. Not fear of punishment. It's this awesome respect that says, okay, I know I stumble in many things. And now I'm called to teach and my life has to reflect that. Will you please work in me? And it really is a continual process of becoming more and more humble. You find yourself praying a lot, how does my salvation work? And then as you learn, you teach others, as you yourself are being taught by God. So, your humility increases all the time And you learn to become sensitive to the guidance of the Holy Spirit. Because that's how it has to be. We need to be saved. We know we are not even what we would like to be. And therefore, our teaching is going to have the right emphasis when we teach. We're not going to get up and say, everybody needs to be perfect just like me. We're going to teach, you know what? Every single one of us needs the Holy Spirit. We need the grace of God. Now, grace is what's going to make us perfect in Christ, filled with Christ, humble in Christ. 
And that means we all need to be bridled by Christ. Even as we have a short pause for my insulin pump. So here's the issue. We all need to be bridled like a horse, broken, made responsive, accept his control. Now, here's the proof that we need to accept this control of Jesus in our lives. It's how we say what we say, how we use our tongues. And the principle here that James gives us is that a little tiny thing affects big things and great power. So in verse 3, he talks about we put bits in horses' mouths. Have you ever seen or stood next to a horse? You know, you, you lose kind of a sense of perspective when, when you just see horses in pictures. But when you stand next to one, you realize, my goodness, this thing's huge. And you don't want to get in its way, right? And you can make fun of those girlies, you know, who carry out their dreams and riding horses clip-clop, clip-clop on some, you know, A-road and getting in your way. But you stand next to one of those things and you go, Okay, fine, but you stick this little thing in their mouth and all of a sudden, all of that size and all of that power is really at your control. A little thing controls big things, great powers. And he also gives in first four this idea about ships. Ships are huge. And I'm thinking especially about the ship in which Paul the Apostle was shipwrecked in... Acts chapter 27. You know, you get the impression that maybe it was like this fisher's boat that the disciples and Jesus were in on the Sea of Galilee and the big storms coming up. But this ship was a wheat cargo ship sailing from Alexandria in Egypt to Rome. So the primary cargo was wheat. But if you read... In Acts 27, it says that everybody was saved, 276 people. Now, that's more than a Boeing 737 airplane. If you've ever been on a crowded flight, right, and you think, gosh, there were more people on that boat. And all that to say, it is a huge, heavy ship driven by fierce winds. And yet, what turns that ship? One guy holding a steering wheel connected to a little rudder, comparatively speaking. So, one man steers the ship. Now, one more example is here. In verse 5, see how great a forest a little fire kindles. Now, that's kind of the dark side of all this. 
little tiny fire, when it's controlled, is a great servant. Cook your food. Boil water. Make coffee out of it. But a fire out of control destroys. And this is James's point. The tongue, a small part of our body, is not accepting control. It is out of control. In verse 5, James says, It boasts great things. When you boast, what you're saying is, you are greater than you really have the authority to say. The reality is, you're not as great as you think you are and as you say you are. You express a higher opinion of yourself than you have the authority to say. And so you're making yourself the authority as to how valuable you are. When in reality, God knows your true value. He knows where you fit into the scheme of life. And invariably, our own opinion of ourselves is not the same as his opinion. We think we're this, fabulous. And he says, nah. Let's compare you for a minute with Jesus, shall we? Oh, don't do that. Oh, that's not fair. But see, God is going to judge the world in righteousness through Jesus. What is your true value and worth? What is your stature? What is the measuring rod? Well, this is the measuring rod God uses. The Lord Jesus Christ. So, we don't really have a true idea of our capabilities and value and worth, but we think, I'm this. I'm going to make me the authority and say, that is what I am. We rebel against the truth, and therein lies the conflict. James says the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. And it defiles the whole body. It's set on fire by hell. And in other words, this is the very attitude of the devil. The devil was created to be an angel. And somehow he got it in his head. I don't want to be under anybody's control. I want to control everybody, but I don't want to be controlled. So in Isaiah 14, he says, I will ascend and set my throne above the stars of heaven. I will be like the most high God. I'm not going to be bridled. That stuff's for horses. Not me, man. I'm not going to take orders. I'm going to give them. Now, you realize that's Governor Newsom's attitude. I'm going to give orders, but I'm not going to take them. I'm not going to be controlled by anybody 
That is the very attitude of the devil. Now, this hypocrisy of Governor Newsom is not acceptable even in the press. I read an article by a reporter who says, up until this point, I have said yes to Governor Newsom. Suck it to him, Governor Newsom. Do the things that need to happen to beat this pandemic. And he says, I can't. This is bad. This is a guy who likes Governor Newsom. He says, this is bad, 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 bad. See, it's not acceptable even to guys that want to like you and say, yeah, come on. So it is sure as heck not acceptable in the church. But this is a blanket condemnation that is true of everyone in the church. In verse 7, James says that we've been able to tame every kind of animal there is. They walk the earth, they fly in the air, they swim in the sea. We've been able to control them, tame them, and then make them do what we want them to do. Now, they are a lower form of life. They can do a lot of things that we can't do. They can fly. They can swim underwater. And they're a lot of times bigger and stronger than we are. And yet we are above them. We're able to tame them. And then he, James says, no man can tame the tongue. We will not accept control. And when we resist control, we kill people around us. That's what he says. That tongue is full of deadly poison. Poison kills. In Proverbs 18, verse 21, it says, Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruit. So there's the possibility that we can use what we say to love people. And love gives life. 1 Corinthians 13, verse 7. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never fails. And it's possible just to say things that will lift a person up and encourage them and even to blossom them. We can express the love and faithfulness that we feel towards people. We can do so much to enhance and bless other people around us. Isn't it important to be encouraged? Isn't it wonderful when somebody comes alongside and says, you know what, you can do this. You will do this. And somebody who picks you up, shows you mercy just by what they say, thanks you for a good thing done. All that is so important. But we don't do that. What we do naturally from the heart is that we kill. Now, you know, it's not just shoot with a bullet. 
That's quick. But when you take life by what you say, it just takes a lot longer. But you kill somebody with criticism. You kill somebody by defending yourself and attacking and fighting back and grabbing anything to hand and flinging it. Well, you never, you always. And we don't think. It's the things we don't say when we could say them. And that silence even communicates death. We're taking away from people by the things we say. And if you need to be convinced, just listen to yourself the next time you drive your car. Please. Because even if you don't come out and say it, you're going to curse other drivers. And the reality is those other drivers are cursing you. And everybody is cursing God. Now, James says this is an absolute contradiction. In verse 9, he says, you know, we bless our God and Father. And even Christians, we can worship God. We know what to say. We can read the Psalms. We can sound spiritually profound. At the very same time, we can think towards other believers like we're driving in our cars. Why that dope? Ooh, I just said it. Why did he say that? Why did she say that? What does she think I am? Why that? In Jesus' name, amen. Out of the same mouth comes blessing and cursing. And James says, you know, that other person is made in the image of God. And so there you are, yelling and cursing at the image of God. He says, it's like a fountain sending forth good water and bad water. So, you know, it might send out fresh water, but it could barf out some really crummy, stinky water. And, you know, nobody says, oh, that fountain is half good. We say, ah, stay away from that thing, man. It's contaminated. So, you know, what we say and think reveals what we truly are in our hearts because it's out of the fullness that the man speaks. And Jesus said, out of a person's heart comes fornications and adulteries and hypocrisy and lies and slander. Comes out of the heart. James says, you don't expect to give get olives off of a fig tree. You don't expect to get figs off a grapevine because that's unrealistic. The nature of a fig tree is to yield figs and figs only. It's the nature of the tree to produce that kind of fruit. And so Jesus said, you shall know them by their fruits. You're speaking gives you a way to what kind of person you are. So, 
as I read this portion of scripture, I think it's striking that James doesn't stop and say, okay, now this is what you do about it. Don't you think that's interesting? This is the part of teaching where the teacher gets up and says, you're all wrong. This is what you need to do about it. And you sit there and go, okay, yeah, 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 yeah. One, two, three, six, I'm done. James doesn't do that. He's just leaving you, leaving us all there to think about this huge contradiction in our lives. The fact that I naturally do not accept control over me, that is not going to fly. And what I say is the proof of it. We can read all of these scriptures here in James 3 and go, yeah, that's me. That's me. And what it proves is we don't need step one, step two, step three in order to speak as civilized Britons. This is an etiquette lesson. This shows us our absolute need for a new nature. And that's not possible with men. Remember what Jeremiah says. The heart of man is desperately wicked, deceitful above all things. Who can know it? So we can't do this. And further in Jeremiah 17, it says, The sin of Judah is written down with an iron stylus. With a diamond point, it is engraved upon the tablet of their heart and on the horns of their altars. So he says, the heart of the men of Israel is hard like stone. And in order to get an engraving on stone, you have to use something that's super hard and cuts right into it. These inscriptions last for millennia. You're not going to just take a a kneaded rubber, and just kind of run over that, and boom, it's gone. These things last for thousands of years. Nothing is going to erase it. And so, what are we going to do? Well, the great thing about the new covenant that Jesus inaugurated in his own blood is that he gives us new hearts. Here's what it says in Ezekiel 36. Moreover, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. And I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and you will be careful to observe my ordinances. See, this is the radical thing about Jesus Christ and the new covenant. Is there is a new source of control in our lives. No longer outside us, putting a gun to our heads and says, you know what, if you don't roll over and play dead, you're going to hell. Okay, 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 okay. 
But as soon as the gun is gone, it's like, whew. Nobody's going to put a bridle on me, pal. Now, the Holy Spirit has been given to the believer to be that source of control within. And there, he will cause us to walk in God's statutes. That is the bridling of the whole body. In Galatians 5, verse 22, Paul says, the fruit of the Spirit, the result that comes from the life of the Holy Spirit within the believer is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Now those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also walk by the Spirit. Let us not become boastful, challenging one another, envying one another. So, if you're a believer in Jesus, and you see that great contradiction in your life that you do not want control, that you resist the control of God, do you realize that is the Holy Spirit working in you? Your being convicted of this is not an accident. The Holy Spirit is, in effect, breaking you. He's preparing to bridle you so that you will accept his control. And what he's going to do is he's going to lead you to love the people around you in everything that you do. And it's going to come out of your mouth. The way you speak will change. It must change. And instead of being quick to argue, you're going to be quick to stop and say, hmm, what do I say? How do I stop this before it turns into Mount Vesuvius? What am I going to do here? And the Holy Spirit is going to show you how to humble yourself. And that big blowout never happens. And in fact, what comes out of your mouth is pure, sweet, fresh water that gives life. An admission that you're wrong. Encouragement. Thanks. Seasoned with salt, as it were. Grace coming out of your mouth. And then you're going to know how to speak to every single person. That plumber. That mail carrier. That guy in the parking lot at Sainsbury's when you think he's done a fancy driving maneuver worthy of Michelle Schumacher, you're going to say, oh God, bless that guy. Bless him and teach him how to drive. In Jesus' name. <laughs> this is the time to stop and say, Lord, 
Teach me what to say. Let's pray. Shall we do that? Heavenly Father, the things that I say show me how much I need you. How much I need a new nature. How I need to be bridled and controlled by the Holy Spirit. So all of us together, we pray and say, Lord, I can't follow step one, step two, step three. I need you to live in me and to guide me and to control me because that is life and that is peace. And that means living a life in love. So today, we want to submit ourselves to you and just say, Lord, save us. And especially save us in what we say and in what we think. Help us to think the way you think. And out of that, Help us to speak the way you speak. Bless our families, our marriages, our church, and everything that we do because we're being led and guided by your Spirit. We thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. And we pray also, Lord, that you would enable us today to love one another. And all the rest of this week, leading up to our next meeting at the new building, help us to do the things we need to do. Help us with the unexpected demands on our time. And instead of cursing, enable us to bless. We thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen.